Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? We're back with podcast, Mothership Podcast, number 81. I'm Brett Valentin, your lucky host and your favorite White Sox fan, and two of my favorite White Sox fans, and Southside Sox members, long time at this point, longtime members from the Indianapolis field office, joining me to talk Hall of Fame. It seems like at least once a year, I'm talking with these two about the Hall of Fame, and this time we're all together talking about it, of course. <laughs> if you're watching or if you're listening, you're about to know. It's Crystal O'Keefe and Super Joseph Rhesus. Uh, welcome, both of you. Thank you for taking the time to talk about this pathetic, disgusting, reprehensible, boring, wasteful Hall of Fame election 2022. Woohoo! Can't wait to be muted on the timeline from everyone that hates it. Now let's talk for an hour about it. Okay, well, uh, we just got word. Uh, we are recording uh, Tuesday night for... Wednesday publish. And we just got word that David Ortiz is the sole member of the class of at least the current players class of 2022 Hall of Fame, a DH tied to PDs. Uh, but boy, he's a good guy. So I guess that's enough to make a distinction for these hypocritical uh, white male centric very, very confusing, confusing BBWAA voters who have shot down um, inconsistently, I suppose, uh, shot down uh, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and Roger Clemens in their last shot. Oh, and Kurt Schilling, can't forget about Kurt Schilling at all. Technically, he's not on the ballot. So, you know, whatever. Uh, Kurt Schilling also, all four of them have uh, used up now all of their 10 attempts at making the Hall of Fame. But the good news is, apparently, come November, there's a modern era ballot (laughs) 
Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are going to be on. So this crap is never going to go away. We're going to continue to talk about it. So let's talk about it some more. Uh, reactions to David Ortiz being the only uh, player elected. And for Southside Sox, no one being elected. <laughs> Good for him, honestly. I'm I'm in this camp where I don't really care if you took any substances. I just I do think it's completely ridiculous that you put in one user and not another but I don't have anything against Big Poppy he's pretty I mean he's fine he was a fun player to watch so (sighs) in a stupid trash system of dumb voters I guess this one is okay I guess (laughs) all right uh Tepin endorsement uh Joe your thoughts (laughs) yes I think it's defensible to have neither one. Like I feel like with a lot of perhaps, you know, the, the younger generation is not as, as um, concerned about or not as uh, reluctant to vote for performance enhancing drug users. And that's totally fine. I, I, I'm totally fine if people want to, you know, put both bonds and Ortiz on their ballot. That's totally fine with me personally um and i'm totally fine if they if neither one is put on a, a particular ballot you know, i think yeah the consistency there would make sense and um yeah i the only wrinkle with say Barry Bonds's case which m- confuses me is that he by the age of 30 he had already put up 74 wins above replacements according to baseball reference, which is more than Ortiz had in his whole career. Both of them had the numbers for Hall of Fame if you want to ignore the performance-enhancing drugs. Um, So, like I said, no issues at all with putting both of them on the ballot. Um, But, yeah, Bonds already had a completely Hall of Fame-worthy career before he used any. So, to me, like... It is defensible to have Bonds on as well, but not Ortiz. Um, Ortiz, but not Bonds, is just a little confusing to me. And um, really, so any of those combinations as far as like yes to both, no to both, yes to only one. I feel like the only one for me that isn't really defensible is is Ortiz, but not Bonds. But I am happy for Ortiz nonetheless. He he had an outstanding career, and um, I'm I am happy for him getting in. Okay, a segue here because this sort of loops in. There are some parallels between the BBWAA ballot and the Southside Sox ballot, and some of them are troubling. Um, and this is one of them. Uh, I think traditionally with the difference now, now that we have uh, ballot tracking, uh, uh, both Barry Bonds, as of this morning, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were on target based on public ballots to be elected, just barely clearing the 75% threshold. And of course, when the private ballots come in, you see a lot less support. And I'm sure there's even a a scientific formula that says, you know, they get knocked down by 10% on average or whatever it is. Uh, So it wasn't looking good for them. And of course, that was confirmed because both fell short. I want to say low 60s for both of them with the official full ballot. Uh, A troubling uh, trend, however, (laughs) is a player like Omar Vizquel, who in the public ballots had 10% support, 
in the private ballots, he had 37% support. Now, of course, that's not completely shocking because if you support Omar Vizquel for the Hall of Fame, uh, you probably do want to hide it. You probably don't want it to be known. So it's not shocking. I will call you out. But it is, yes, it is a, an interesting trend, given it goes against the way it traditionally works with the, the bulk of the ballot. And it's something we saw in the Southside Sox election as well, where uh, opening up the voting to, uh, for, for voters to be able to elect more than 10, check more than 10 names on the ballot. I think I checked 12 or 13. Myself, not many people seem to do that because we, we actually got a, a, a true lack of support. Everybody got stingier somehow, except in the cases of, I want to say six players increased uh, from 2021 to 2022. And four of those six are, are uh, you know, the nasty candidates. Uh, Schilling got an increase. Vizquel got an increase. Maybe not huge increases, but they bucked the trend. Uh, Tory Hunter got an increase. Andrew Jones got an increase. So um, <laughs> you voters, <laughs> cut it out. Uh, at any rate, uh, a strange situation. Uh, again, not uh, completely uh, surprising that Vizquel voters would want to hide the fact that they're Vizquel voters. And we've seen some nasty ballots. We've seen blank ballots. We've seen ugly ballots where I think maybe sh- only shilling was checked. I think you had the Joe Cowley ballot where basically every jackass on the, uh, you know, uh, who you could vote for, he checked, but, you know, nobody else. Um, you know, you got those people. But the fact that there's actually, uh, you know, almost a bit of a movement to say, hey, you know what, we're going to stick by Omar Vizquel if we don't have to raise our hand to say we voted for him. Uh, is pretty unfortunate. Yeah, totally. Like I said, I, I'm i not afraid to call people out when they put dumb people on the ballot. And it blows my mind that you have so many good Hall of Fame-worthy players, but you continue to just pick these controversial players or you just don't pick at all. Or you pick three and say, oh, I would have included this person. I'm like, well, cool. You had seven more options. Like you could, you could pick seven more people. So I don't understand that, but it's just the whole system. is just so stupid and they just need to purge their current votes and just completely change it. Make it like a players, coaches, managers choose or open it up to the fans. Since it's a museum anyway. Crystal Mookie Wilson's son right now is listening. He is typing a tweet to you right now as we speak. That's fine. Uh, I won't see it because everything. Is fair enough, fair enough. Hey, Joe. Tell I don't me follow this. you. I don't see it. <laughs> tell me this, Joe. Um, we, as I think Crystal just sort of alluded to this. Um, well, I mean, this, let's face it. The the ballot has been. I don't even call it, want to call it top heavy. We've had the burden of Kurt Schilling, uh, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens now for 10 years. We will not next year. Do you think sort of flushing those guys out, so to speak, uh, from the ballot is going to give guys like, say, uh, the Billy Wagners or Todd Helton's of the world a little bit of a kick? In other words, you think voters are going to vote for players now that this is sort of off of their shoulders? Or do you think there's going to be this continued embarrassing, really ridiculous, embarrassing stinginess toward guys and they're still going to just cross their arms and say you know what Todd Helton he played in Colorado he is not a hall of famer and and we're going to have maybe uh future years where we're getting maybe one or or more likely no candidates elected certainly a few voters will remain ridiculously stingy and I'm totally prepared for that but I think overall having those guys off the ballot next year will help um without a question for some of the players who are kind of on the fence and you know not controversial figures really like you know the 
Todd Helton, you had mentioned also Scott Rowland. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those guys, in my view, are absolutely deserving of, of getting in there. And they're both fairly close. And I do think that their numbers will be boosted without, um, you know, the people with somewhat of a strong, you know, support like Schilling and, and Bonds, like, like you said. And I am op- at least a little bit optimistic. Don't want to get too optimistic ever with this system. It's obviously very flawed, but, but I do believe that some of the players who I believe are very deserving who didn't get there this year, I think they will, they will get closer next year, if not um, voted in. Yeah, Southside Sox was very stingy. I want to say there was just a handful, fewer than half a dozen, maybe, maybe four uh, candidates who even made it past 50%. Uh, I'm not sure what's up with that. Uh, we're going to have a, have to give everybody a talking to before 2023. Uh, but that said, are either of you surprised? Uh, Alex Rodriguez comes in at 34.3%, a guy who clearly has more PED dings against him probably than anyone in history. Um, maybe Jose Canseco, who is not on this ballot. Um, but, you know, still has this well, he's infuriating, but he still has, he, he purports to have this like cuddly persona. He certainly tries to be media friendly. He manages to put his foot in his mouth all the time, but he's a guy who's out there in the same way that David Ortiz is, sits next to David Ortiz on all the pregame postgame stuff. Uh, was it surprising in his first ballot? He basically pulls a third, uh, su- surprisingly good or surprisingly bad in your eyes? I'm not going to lie. I laughed when I saw that come in. And I think it's like that Wisconsin curse with the Bucks and the Packers losing. And because he was at that Packers game, he's just now cursed. Um, but no, I, I was surprised he didn't make it because everyone was like, oh, he's going to be a first rounder. No doubt about it. And then I kind of laughed when he wasn't. He's got the, I mean, PDs aside, he's got the numbers. Clearly he should have been, he, he should have coasted to close to unanimous election. But then of course, how did he get there? And, you know, this is a guy unlike, you know, the Bonds or even, you know, the Clemens or whatever, where like, you know, there's a whole gray area of, you know, was it legal? Was it allowed? Were they checking? Uh, clearly they were checking. Clearly they were testing when Alex Rodriguez was caught and banned for a full year. Uh, so at a time when he didn't need to be doing that anymore, was he going to play till he's 50? Oh my God. What a cool Maybe one. that's I- where they used the character clause. They were like, this guy is just so annoying. Oh. So he might not be a Nazi, allegedly, <laughs> but allegedly, yeah, I don't sue me. Um, he's annoying. So maybe next year for these podcasts, because we'll be talking again. I'll be in Indianapolis with you guys again. We'll be talking. I will create a spinner and we'll just spin for each player because, you know, it could come up Nazi, it could come up PD, it could come up PD times two, could come up um, a spousal abuser. Oh, so many other things. Um, and yeah, we'll just do that. We'll, do, you know, we'll, let's turn into a game. It's silly enough. Uh, Joe, surprise, uh, a positive, a negative uh, at A-Rod just uh, pulling about a third of the electorate. I had no idea what to expect. I mean, yeah, I, I would say it, it was pretty close to what I would have thought. Uh, I, I, given the lack of support or I, the fact that like, you know, with his numbers, you know, with, with bonds being spending all this time on the ballots and, you know, not getting in with his just ridiculous numbers. Um, I didn't think 
a rod would really get close on his first um on his first ballots it's so yeah having you know being somewhat in the ballpark of 30 35 percent was yeah it wasn't really a surprise to me um i i am curious about how big of a role the character clause played in that that could at least explain a little bit of the inconsistency with regards to Ortiz getting in on his first attempt and Rodriguez not coming close to it. That maybe explains it. Um, but yeah, A-Rod overall, yeah, not no big surprise with the level of support he got. You know, the closest comp in terms of <clears throat> background to Rodriguez is Barry Bonds, uh, a guy who I don't recall what his first um, vote support was. It just seems like he's sort of been fairly flatlined. I think it's increased some in the past few years, as he's gotten closer to being eliminated from the ballot, something tells me I have a sneaking suspicion. It's just that sinking feeling. It's not what I ate for dinner tonight. It is uh, that uh, Rodriguez with his um, purported cuddly persona, uh, those eyes that you are frightened by, or you can just get lost in, is going to build enough over the course of 10 years to get into the Hall of Fame. I'm going to put both of you on the spot. Do you think that will happen? <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. He'll get in. He, he deserves to be in there for what he did on the field. So yeah, he'll get in maybe two or three years from now. I don't know. Um, I think eventually he will. I don't know if it'll be with the BBWAA voting. Yeah, I think with the Veterans Committee at, at some point he might get in. I'm, I'm skeptical about the 75% from the BBWAA though. Yeah, just like there are guys that you say, and Ortiz, I, you know, I know this is antiquated, sort of silly thinking, but I didn't vote for Ortiz this year because I thought, you know, his DH, there's some question marks. He's going to get in. He's a Hall of Famer, but I would make him wait a year. I would say on the second year or, you know, third year, whatever, but I would vote for him the second year. And I think there's now this new thinking for these guys who have, you know, cheated to whatever degree that maybe you make, make them wait the full run. And maybe in the 10th year, you vote them in. I could see that happening for Alex Rodriguez, but the precedent now is a, a guy, of course, very similar. <clears throat> and Roger Clemens, you, you could argue just as well, two clearly deserving Hall of Famers. Um, I guess character clause would come into play a little differently with both. I think <clears throat> on the character clause um, uh, chart, uh, Clemens is, is at least slightly more reprehensible, if not considerably more reprehensible than Barry Bonds. Although, boy, that's an interesting fight in an entirely different podcast. Uh, but because Rodriguez is out there. He's, you know, he's going to be courting. He's going to be schmoozing. He might just try to buy like another team, you know, to, you know, somehow that's going to strong arm his way in. I can imagine him having to wait longer than Crystal saying, but not quite making it uh, to the veterans committee and having even a smaller group of people decide his fate where maybe in a 10th year, he finally gets in. They just, they just uh, let him in. Speaking of just letting people in. On the negative side, Tory Hunter stays on the ballot, I believe, by one or two votes. He just barely cleared the 5%. But on the positive side, Mark Burley, by, I want to say, three or four votes, cleared enough to stay on the ballot. It's pretty important for Burley to do that because now, now maybe you can begin to build a case for him where it, it's a pretty long shot for him to make up 70 percentage points over eight more years. But the fact that he could build enough momentum to perhaps maybe actually legitimately be in the discussion uh, is encouraging, even though he's dragging Tory Hunter behind him, which is sort of gross. But uh, now, of course, Southside Sox nearly elected Mark Burley, come on, homers, 
you're showing yourselves <laughs> nearly elected Mark Burley this year. It seems like it's only a matter of time. Now that he's on the ballot for next year, it seems like a given he might get in with Southside Sachs uh, next year. But uh, a, a sigh of relief that Mark Burley did, you know, just barely uh, clear the threshold to stay on the ballot. I don't have a sigh of relief because I looked it up and he was at like 11% last year and he was down like five and a half or something this year. So his numbers are are tanking, which is worrisome. And again, maybe with some of these controversial guys off the ballot next year, it'll make up for it, but going down like five and a half percent is a little scary for me. So I don't know. Kristen, I don't know if he's going to be there next year. All right, Krista, you killed my buzz. Uh, Joe's I'm encouraging sorry. to you. I you know, I know, I know. I think all three of us feel that Mark Burley is a Hall of Famer, and obviously these people should get their act together. Yes. And no, we don't want Mark to have to, even though it seems likely his most likely route was going to get in through one of these miscellaneous veterans. Maybe he'll be lucky enough just months after failing in his 10th ballot or whatever to be on the the, the next veterans ballot. He can just be like, all right, I'm going to just backdoor my way in there. But uh joe um encouraged not slightly encouraged it's it's a win for him to still be on the ballot Uh, um i wasn't sure if he would make it that far i yeah he would have my votes i mean he was very stable throughout his career very consistent with a few very unique achievements along the way that not many people can say that they have done and I think his case is strong enough to get in. I I think just overall, there isn't a lot of value for, or a lot of appreciation across the board among voters for those kinds of players without like a massive ceiling, but were just, you know, pretty good throughout the courses of their career. So I wasn't sure. And, you know, throughout the process, I was kind of you know, casually following the, the Hall of Fame tracker and seeing like, oh, okay, he's kind of like going back and forth as far as if it looks like he's going to make it or not. I was you know, kind of just, I was saying to myself pretty much throughout, like, okay, if, if Burley gets above 5%, I'll consider it a win. So I, I'll be thankful for that. Uh, classic controversial Chicago media figure, former Chicago Tribune sports editor, Dan McGrath actually plays hero here. He's a guy who generally is reprehensible in terms of his biased coverage skewing to the Cubs sort of can't blame them you know they were fellow employees at the time right um sort of sort of sort of strange but uh, I believe his his vote was the one that got Burley back over five percent or kept him over five percent so hey Dan it's never too late to be a hero well done uh do the same thing next year please okay uh one last man we managed to like talk for a half hour about the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame let's face it is gross, but okay. Knowing that, or at least ESPN, I think reported that uh, Bonds and Clemens, I don't know what's going to be shilling to Bonds and Clemens are going to be on this modern days or modern era, whatever ballot coming up with the veterans committee uh, at the end of this year. <laughs> so they're not outside uh, all chilly waiting for a code outside the hall of fame in Cooperstown for long. Uh, and they're going to find the the possible people they have to convince or have to be convinced of their worthiness for the Hall of Fame shrunk to 16, as we've seen in the case of Harold Baines and maybe some other guys, but certainly Harold Baines is the one that really screams. It really just takes a fortunate makeup of the 16 voters. Um, at this point, maybe even a collective effort where there, it seemed like this last round of voting, some folks got together and said, hey, 
let's go Minoso. Let's get some of uh, let's get some of the living guys in, like Jim Cott and Tony Leva. Uh, so really it's just going to take a nice makeup of, I don't know, San Francisco Giants connections or Boston Red Sox connections to get one of these guys in. Uh, and we don't know what the makeup, I don't think yet of what those, what those, who those 16 people are going to be. Do you think there's a likelihood or a probability that either or both of these guys get in hilariously after 10 years of failure, uh, they get to back into the hall of fame by just getting 12 of 16 votes at the end of this year? I think Barry Bonds has the best option. I saw something earlier where it was like something Clemens, he was like, oh, I put the Hall of Fame in my back, like rear view mirror 10 years ago. So I don't think he really cares. I I think Barry Bonds has the best shot out of doing that. And I still think he deserves to be in there no matter what he did. So I'm kind of hopeful that he'll be the one that gets in because the other two have outwardly expressed that they just don't care anymore so but also one quick little sidetrack because you said the giants and i would like to tell all of the voters that i am very displeased by excluding big time timmy jim from their ballots he did not make the cut i'm very angry because i love him and i was gonna marry him when i was about (laughs) 13. So, um, that's really where the vote big fail on them because he's one of the best. Anyway, that's all. I'm, I was angry about that. That's fair. That's a fair insertion. And Joe, you've made your case, uh, for bonds. And I think that I think there's something to that, even though Clemens clearly you could say, well, he's a Hall of Famer just based on his Boston Red Sox career. But I mean, I think there's there's an even easier line to draw with bonds versus Clemens Shield. And really, in terms of just the the grossness factor i mean obviously Schilling, among those big three Schilling is by far the grossness on a number of levels uh clemens oof, pr- pretty ugly not not exactly a nice guy as a player just has sort of gotten grosser since then and barry bonds i you know, I'm, i feel i'm overlooking something but just sort of was a jerk i mean a, a pretty significant jerk and i mean that's not nothing but I'm not sure it's exactly on the level of those other guys. So, I mean, if you really had to just choose one out of a hat, it clearly would be my one-time favorite baseball player of all time, long, long ago. Probably about the time that you were about to marry Tim Lincecum, Crystal. But um, it would seem like he would uh, have the best shot. So, Joe, you may be seeing him being able to uh, squeak in at the end of the year. Yeah, I would agree with Bonds. Um, And I think I, I'm unsure if Ortiz getting in will change anything, but I think if voters are going to follow like the principle of if Ortiz gets in, then Bond should be in. Like may, maybe he get has a slight edge, but then again, I mean, like you said, 16 voters, it's a very small sample size. And I think it's just a matter of who is on that committee. Um, but yes, I, I would agree that Bonds has the best case out of the three and it also seems as though he's most likely to get in out of those three. All right. We're going to shift away from hall of fame talk. Sort of, uh, we are going to take a quick break and come right back to Southside Sox podcast number 81 back in a minute. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, White Sox fans, don't pay. If you're watching, don't pay attention to this background. This is one of those like fake Zoom backgrounds. This isn't my studio or my home or anything. I'm in Indianapolis right now. I'm hanging with the Indianapolis people. I just left the O'Keefe household. I got some great baked goods. No, no, no. I wasn't the the super cute nurse taking care of her. He sketches way, way better than me. Uh, but got some baked goods from the O'Keefe's. And me and Super Joe, we were just like, we were just walking downtown. We were looking for some socks math to solve. And I was going to draft behind him. I was going to just try to be quicker with my, I was going to look at his page. Like, this is how I got through all my science classes in high school. I just looked at everybody else's page and was just a little bit quicker to turn it in, wrote it in my own hand. So it made it seem like I legitimately did the calculation. I was going to try to actually usurp Joe Reese's and win socks math. But then I remembered it's, um, it's really cold. And it's January and there's no socks math. So uh, thanks for humoring me, Joe. For a while there, I thought I could actually learn <laughs> socks math. But uh, yes. So Southside Socks Mothership Podcast number 81 is coming to you uh, live from Indianapolis, the Indianapolis field office. I'm here with Crystal O'Keefe and Super Joseph Rhesus. And we've been talking Hall of Fame. It's a, we all cleared our palates during the break. We took one long gulp of something and we washed that taste out of our mouth. Because it's nasty. Uh, one, David Ortiz being uh, elected by the BBWAA, and nobody for the second straight year, the first two years ever, it's two, twice in a row now, Southside Sox refusing to elect someone to the Hall of Fame. Next year, Mark Burley. He's going in. <laughs> oh, boy. Nasty. Okay. We are doing something fun. Uh, you can see it here uh, this morning. Uh, for the interim between Hall of Fame election and White Sox Hall of Fame election. The fifth one is coming up in February. Uh, we're going to bridge the gap by running a little thing. You've seen it. You've maybe seen it already. If not, check it out after you've uh, listened to, watched, studied our podcast here. We are just picking 16 of the best, Crystal, hold your tongue, best baseball movies, and we're going to pit them. Uh, we're going to have everybody vote uh, over the course of, you know, just a daily vote, and we are going to end up crowning some baseball movies champion, because why not? You know, what the heck? Let's have some fun. Maybe we'll actually elect something uh, this week instead of last time around, and both of you are participating, have uh, written up, uh, I guess, uh, favorites, or certainly have your favorites. Maybe not have, haven't watched all 16 movies in our tournament, but uh, uh, thoughts going in to uh, how uh, how this is going to proceed and maybe uh, predictions about how it's going to be. We have number one seeds. Oh, don't even ask me how I came up with it. But number one seeds, Moneyball, Pride of the Yankees, Stratton Story. So we got White Sox content and <laughs> Bad News Bears. <sighs> OK, anyway, uh, thoughts on the um, on the movie tournament, baseball movie tournament. Moneyball all the way. <laughs> Moneyball for the win for O'Keefe. And if you vote for Field of Dreams, we won't be friends. Please make Brett sad. 
number 15 seed field of dreams not looking good for them but uh joe uh, i'm guessing it's a money ball thing for you but uh other favorites in the in the list my favorite was actually 42 out of these um yeah, yeah. obviously money money ball is a, is a classic obviously i like the analytics you know part of that whole story i can't really yeah i'm money ball it's a good movie i mean there there's just a lot of really good competition on this on this ballot and i think overall just what was going on in 42 was it, it's just a very fascinating story and a obviously a huge part of baseball history um that i like that will obviously never be forgotten and it was fascinating for me and when i watched it for the first time just to just to see how how it played out and um thought the the cast and overall just the the acting behind it was was terrific um so but yeah moneyball is up there as well for me um and yeah i've seen five of the movies that were are on this list and all like all of them you know are i, I have a positive opinion on all of them and i have not seen field of dreams so i yeah i um, it sounds like i'm not missing out on much there but you're not you're not it's terrible (laughs) good lord i think i've seen all of them and not all of them are good uh listen before i let uh crystal keep yeah i'm just gonna i don't need i don't need to get dog twice in the space of a year on a podcast about field of dreams but listen i'll i'll say i'm content with my favorites uh, the natural and field of dreams, not even advancing past the first round, as long as major league doesn't win the whole thing. <laughs> I still, I'm mystified at the popularity of it. I understand maybe it's a, maybe uh, uh, baseball fans just a little younger than me were like captivated by it. Uh, you know, so I'll make that trade. I'll, I'll torpedo my picks if just major league. Is that what Zach is covering? Zach's covering major league, isn't he? We've had this discussion already, and boy, Zach is, uh, you know. He's going to persuade everyone. He makes a good case. Is it the worst movie? No. Is it a really, really poor, poor, poor man and woman's um, Bull Durham? Yeah, it sure is. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely is. And it came out like months apart. So it's like, this is sort of obvious, guys, but okay. Uh, You know. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know what my uh, League, of, League of Their Own, I think, might be my sleeper yeah. pick. I would I would really like to see that do well in our little tournament. But yeah, there are a lot of great ones. I mean, really nothing here, you know, o- O'Keefe aside, there's, not, there's nothing here that, you know, should make you want to run and hide. Although, again, we've already had a little bit of a Slack discussion about certain portions of certain movies uh, being woefully inappropriate in um, to today's audiences. But hey, you know, that's that's the way it works too. The the 70s weren't all that progressive and, and no. in the 50s you couldn't exactly say any of these things that you would have otherwise said in fact certain people just didn't show up in the movies in the 50s so that's that's how they handled that's how they handled that rather than actively denigrating them on film they just weren't in the movie yeah okay uh all I right, agree well, with joe and i hope that 42 really advances that's when i watched with my son on jackie robinson day a couple mm. years ago and we both cried like mm. it was one of those where we're like this is it was just it's good and it's powerful and we both just were big babies about it 
Yeah, looking at the matchups, I, I like the the Bingo Long All Stars and the a League of Their Own. That's a that's a killer matchup. Those are both pretty. I mean, I guess you can't call a League of Their Own because it's on every other day, every other hour uh, on cable somewhere. Um, exactly underrated, but uh, those are two pretty strong movies. And considering I don't really care for every one of them here, I just saw the Stratton story this year, and it's you know it's Jimmy Stewart. I mean, it's about what you'd expect from that movie. Uh, <laughs> sort of sort, sort of cool to see a White Sox manager Jimmy Dykes actually in movie and, and Yankees. The Yankees just they collected their case of beer and then they went on screen and were like, "Hey, hi, uh, Stratton, how you doing?" And well, it was pretty funny to see them actually try to act. Anyway, let's not let's not bias the Turner Field. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I will not send any payments to anyone voting for Field of Dreams, although I will not object to votes for Field of Dreams. Crystal will have issue with you if you vote for Omar Vizquel, Kurt Schilling, or Field of Dreams. Not putting them all on the same level, but it will make her unhappy. Okay, I guess as we wind this up, let's talk about some exciting news that's only been known for about 10 months at least in terms of Oscar, Oscar Colas, we had our story from Trevor Lyons, I believe, last March, uh, heralding the signing of Oscar Colas. And it's now official. Uh, as of Tuesday, the White Sox have signed him to a healthy signing bonus. He is finally going to get back active and playing after playing in Cuba and Japan. He will be in the White Sox system. I uh, Maybe perhaps as high as, well, where would he start? Maybe double A? He, he could be in triple A next year. And Eric Hernandez, a much younger player, but uh, perhaps even more exciting and promising. Uh, he's 17 years old, for God's sake, uh, now a millionaire. Uh, two pretty plum picks for the White Sox. Uh, Got to be exciting to know we are bolstering our flaccid outfield core with another two uh, really great international players. Yeah, I, I really hope that at least Colossus ends up in maybe Canapolis soon, because I would... I would drive down there in a heartbeat and go watch him play. That would be a lot of fun. So they're both great. I'm happy it's finally official after what felt like nine years. So good ones. Yeah, I like the White Sox actually just milking the entire week. Everybody else announces all of their picks. I guess it was it was just it was a given. So they didn't act. I think maybe they woke up this morning like, oh, you know, we never sent that release. We better get that out. Hit send, please. And and they did. So we all found out officially today oh, oh that those gosh, were that, two guys. That baby with his, his they all he saw braces. <laughs> his little baby. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We're signing the teenagers. Joe, you excited about getting these two guys in the fold? I am. Yes. And um, especially Colas. I, I really like the flexibility he brings to them from um, an outfield you know, perspective. They uh, obviously right field has been an issue for a long time. And I think, yeah, he has, he, I don't think he'll displace Robert from center field, but like, I think there's, a shortage of things that he struggles with in terms of like his, his tool set. Uh, and yeah, there are no glaring weaknesses with his game. And yes, I, I am happy that that uh, signing became uh, official. finally. That's, it's funny uh, as little as we've been able to really talk about him, given he's not been officially a member of the team, despite wearing gear for the Sox, probably for the last eight years, as Crystal alluded uh, the little talk we've had on site, you know, it's typically White Sox fans like, ah, oh, you know, I don't, ooh, is he really going to measure up? Oh, you know, and you know, picking the one stat out that says, man, this guy's going to like, you know, be a bust or he's not going to measure up. Or how can you pick him? And obviously both of these guys, I think Colas was uh, fourth in this year's prospect poll. 
I think Hernandez just advances, uh, I think, at 14th. Uh, so, you know, we have the foresight at least to put them in the poll. These guys are top 15 prospects for the White Sox. Uh, probably officially they might even be considered higher. Uh, and you, you can't not be excited about these guys. My, my, you know, my goodness, you know, Colas, yes, he's not going to play center field, uh, but you know, could he play right field? Could he even play, you know, he's got to play left field. So, Hey, they're going to find a spot for this guy. And who knows, maybe sooner than later. Uh, it's actually going to be him in right field on opening day and Jake Berger starting second. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be sh- It's It's a Tony piloted <laughs> team, Crystal. I'm supportive of team. that move for what it's worth. I love my follower, Jake Berger. So <laughs> they better be shifting plenty. Uh, no doubt about fun. it. All right. We've caught a lot of territory. Thank you as always, everyone for listening uh, without you, even though, you know, Hey, welcome back. You know, you might've forgot we had a podcast, you know, SB nation, you know, shut us down there. Said you're doing too many podcasts. Now it's a new year. So we got plenty more to do. And we've got our entire Indianapolis field office with us. Once again, Crystal's back. Super Joseph's back. Thank you both for uh, withstanding this hall of fame talk yet again. And Hey, maybe new year we'll do it again. Thanks, everybody, and we'll be back probably sooner than you want us to be with more podcast excitement. Uh, Vote. Vote in the movies. If you didn't vote uh, for the Hall of Fame, vote in the movies.